and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh, and I'm happy you could join us today. Uh, we are going to get into the emails, but real quick, let us talk a little bit about the games I've been playing. And really, it's just been Pokemon again. Sorry to talk about the same game twice. I was hoping this wouldn't happen so soon, but what can you do? Uh, Pokemon Home came out recently, so I've been goofing around with that quite a bit, uh, dumping a lot of starters into the Wonder Box and hoping for the best, trying to trade to get my Pokedex filled, because I am about, I think I'm about like 280, 290, to something like that. So I'm pretty close to getting a finished Pokedex, and I'm trying really hard to actually finish a Pokedex for once in a Pokemon game. So I'm having fun with that, and Pokemon Home makes that a lot easier for me, so figured I might as well uh, deep dive into Pokemon this past week. And like I said last time, I'm still trying to get that Pokedex filled up before the new expansions come out. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but I am hoping I can get it done pretty quickly. All right, so let's get into the emails. You can send in your emails in at fanmail at implausiblyaverage.live or go to bit.ly slash radioiagp, all one word, capital R, capital I-A-G-P. Moss asks, you get to decide the big gimmick for the next Phoenix Wright game. What is it? All right, I've been thinking about this a lot since I saw this come into the email, and I think that there are two uh, answers to this for me. One's kind of a jokey answer, but I honestly think it would be kind of cool, which is uh, Phoenix Wright in space. You get to be a lawyer for space crimes. I think that's kind of fun and kind of goofy. And I think it's a nice, uh, I, I guess, balance to, I think there was a previous Phoenix Wright game where it took place in a historical uh, context or a historical period. And I think that'd be kind of goofy to just be like, hey, law works the same somehow. Um, but now there's like laser weapons and you have to use like, I don't know, you have to scan for particles for your evidence or whatever. I think that that's kind of goofy. My other answer, which I think is more serious, would be, I think it'd be really cool for, so uh, the whole concept of Phoenix Wright kind of revolves around the Japanese legal system and how it's just completely different. It has a very specific set of cultural norms in that, like, I can't remember which one. I think it's the prosecutor or the defendant. I don't remember. But one of those two, whoever Phoenix is in the context of these legal battles it's very difficult for them to win cases in these uh in these japanese trials and that's something that um i think they try to diminish a lot in the uh like american releases obviously i can't read japanese so i don't know how that works in japan at least for american releases it's very much like eh like it's like a one and done like one off reference i think at the very beginning of one of the games and then um, I think that's pretty much it. Like they, they just kind of like throw it out there and that's it. I think it'd be very interesting to have it be like Phoenix goes to America or something or goes to maybe a different legal system altogether. It doesn't necessarily have to be America, but basically Phoenix leaves Japan and has to deal with this in a other place. And so you have different rule sets, different cultural expectations, uh, different expectations for Phoenix, right? I think that'd be kind of fun and kind of goofy and it would allow for the game to um, kind of expand on 
its mechanics and stuff like that. I, I think that would be just fun. I don't know if it would actually work as a game. Um, I don't necessarily know if that makes sense, even story-wise. They just have some lawyer just, you know, get his feet wet trying these weird criminal cases in a completely different uh, country. But I still think it'd be goofy and fun. I mean, they made Phoenix Wright and Professor Layton work together, so I feel like they can kind of make anything work. But that would be those would be my two answers is space or Phoenix goes to a different country and has to like learn their legal system or whatever. Dent asks, can you rank every controller you used or owned from worst to best? Uh, I don't know that I can rank every single controller I've ever owned, mostly because I'm probably going to have a hard time remembering every controller, but I can definitely give some standout ones for sure. Um, some some of my favorite controllers are I have a Xbox One controller that I use for my current setup for playing games when I stream, uh, especially Pokemon games and stuff like that, or even other PC games that might require a controller like when I was playing uh, Kakarot on PC, um, I was using an Xbox One controller instead of a mouse and keyboard. Um, I think that controller rules. I think that its D-pad is also very good, which is something that I was having an issue with with some of the uh, Pokemon games. Uh, when I was playing uh, the Gen 1 and Gen 2 games, I think I was using a, a like Logitech like cheap USB controller, and the D-pad just was not very good. Um, it... It definitely, like, would ride the diagonals kind of weird. So, like, if I was trying to go up, then left, sometimes it would just hold the up button. I don't know. It was very strange. And, like, sometimes diagonals, like, would act strange, which I don't expect a diagonal to work on those types of games. But it'd be like, you know, your your thumb would ride, like, the quarter circle, basically, to, to change directions. And sometimes that just wouldn't work for some games. Whereas with this, I think that it's a lot better. The buttons click in a lot more and it feels really good in my hands. My hands never feel tired after streaming for like two or three hours uh, playing with that controller. Uh, another good controller, I had this, I want to say it was a Mad Cats controller for the PS2, which was like, ended up being my main controller for that system. Um, it had these like rubber grips on the side. It felt so good in your hands. It was almost more rounded than the, the P like it was like a little bit thicker. Um, and rounder than a normal PS2 controller at the time. And I really, really, really liked it. It felt so comfortable. And I still try to this day to try and find those controllers. Whenever I go to like a secondhand uh, video game store, I'm always trying to like find old third party controllers as opposed to new third party controllers because back in the day, those third party controllers were wild. And I don't think a lot of them were good. But there were some that were honestly better than what you would get as a first party controller for the system. And that's one of them. It's just this very comfortable controller that felt good to play with for hours and hours, especially when I was a kid where I was playing games for hours and hours every weekend or every day even. That's just something that, you know, I I miss. I wish I still had it. I think it broke or maybe it got sold or who knows, but I definitely don't have it anymore and I'm still dying to try and find something like that. As for some of my worst controllers, um, I bought a new third-party N64 controller recently because I wanted to play Mario Party, like four-player Mario Party, and I think I only had 
maybe two or three controllers that worked and one of them was like on its way out and for Mario Party is already a frustrating game at, at the best of times with the best conditions so I wanted to make sure oh we had some some new controllers going in I went to a used game store in town that I trust and they had some new stock of third-party controllers that were like completely new uh like made recently as opposed to new old stock and it sucked so bad like the plastic felt really bad the buttons like almost had like a mushiness to them that they never felt like they were ever connecting quite properly and then the stick itself had like this huge dead zone where it just was kind of like wobbling around in place before it would even hit like the 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 sensors i guess or the i don't know how like a controller I don't know the mechanics of a controller, but it didn't. Whenever it would hit the actual place to inform the system, like "oh, I'm hitting in a direction," it would just like all of a sudden feel like it was going through molasses. It was just the worst experience, and especially like I said, for a game like Mario Party, that was uh, not fun. I decided to take that controller because I could tell right out the bat. I was like, "Oh, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to give someone else this controller," and it was uh, it was not great. Oh, I had a, a really cheap Logitech controller, like I said before. That's not great. Um, I think the buttons all feel really mushy. The triggers never felt very good. Like, everything about it just felt cheap, which I obviously knew I was paying less money for it. Be and, you know, it's a Logitech controller. That's what I figured the trade-off was. It's like, oh, well, I'm paying less money, but, you know, it's Logitech. I shouldn't have an issue with quality control. But, man, that controller just sucked and then special shout out goes to the gamecube controller in general i like that controller a lot i understand why people would have problems with it uh, same with the n64 controller i find them both to be like completely and totally fine but i also grew up with them so i instantly like latched onto them because the n64 was my first system the gamecube was the first system i bought on my own so those controllers i feel like were ones that I learned to like a lot, even if maybe they're not, I mean, you can't really say a controller is objectively good or bad when it comes to like aesthetic preferences or like layout preferences. But I think that those controllers are good for me. And I don't think all games work with them for sure. Like you have to design games for the GameCube controller, for instance, for it to work well. Like Smash Brothers works well for the GameCube controller because Smash Brothers originally was, or not originally, but at least for Melee and onwards, was designed with the GameCube controller in mind. So it makes a lot of sense to play with, play those games with that controller, and it feels good to people who are already familiar with that controller, already like that controller, and already feel very skilled at using that controller. Um, I think the same could be said for stuff like the N64 as well. Um, I think that like the those those controllers feel really good. I think they're really I think they get the short end of the stick for a lot of like weird reasons and I think it's mostly because it's just fun to goof on and people like to be like like to just show ironic you know hatred for a thing or whatever but not actually like think any deeper about like stuff like that anyways that's it for controllers let's move on to the next question Brian asks I was thinking of old Shockwave gaming, and my mind drifted back to Candy Stand Mini Golf, a wonderful mini golf game full of advertisements for a variety of candy. Upon more investigation, there, were, there also were four 
other sets of 18 holes of mini golf peddling a variety of other snack, candy, and food delights. My question, what advertising-based game is your favorite? Hmm. I think ad... I realize now that this said advertising-based game and not... For some reason, I read this originally as food-based game, so I was going to just go on a tangent about how wild it was that Burger King was giving out Xbox 360 games for a while. Um, But now that I realize and have, you know, actually used my reading eyes to understand that this is asking about advertising-based games, I think that the Cartoon Network games ruled. There was a handful of them that were really good. There's this weird one where it was like a adventure game and all of the Cartoon Network characters were like on a beach or something and you had to I don't even know what the objective was but you just had to interact with all these Cartoon Network characters and do adventure game logic like give certain people certain items so that they would give you other things and then use those two items together and a bunch of nonsense and I think those were really goofy I know that there was a handful of Shockwave games specifically from Cartoon Network like there was an Ed Ed and Eddie bowling game I don't remember if it was good. I, I, by the time Shockwave was like, but by the time I was interested in those games, Shockwave was already rolling out and like done, or I guess sunsetting, I guess better than rolling out, but it was already on its way out. So a lot of those games, while not completely lost the time, I know that on places like the, uh, is it lost media wiki? They have some of those old games backed up in some way or at least playable in some way. Um, But I never got a chance to play them. But like those games, those Cartoon Network games really good. There was like this wild, like official Dragon Ball Z Flash game that was like those old, um, like Super Nintendo games where you had like quadrants to your fighting, but it was turn-based and it wasn't good. But it was very interesting that that was like a thing that exists on the Cartoon Network website for a while. And then there was, I think Disney had a bunch of weird games. I remember this one I played a ton. It was, I guess, part of Toy Story 2, where you're like Buzz trying. It's like a Frogger type game where you're just trying to get from one area to another safely. Um, but you're bouncing on suitcases because it's mimicking the scene where Buzz and the gang are all in the airport and the luggage sorter area. So you're just Buzz and you're jumping around on all these different luggages, on all these different suitcases and stuff, trying to get from one end to the other. And I remember having a blast with that game. I, I doubt it that it still holds up at all, but... I'd love to find that game again and play it. That's for sure. Moss asks, is the journey or destination more important for a story-driven game? Can a great time getting there make up for a lackluster ending? I think it really depends on the ending. Um, I think that the journey is, is very important regardless, right? I think you don't have a good ending without a good journey. You're not invested in the ending if the des- if the journey getting to that ending wasn't worthwhile and wasn't interesting. But I think it just depends on how lackluster the ending is. If the ending is just not great, you know, like just nothing to write home about, I think that you can still have a very enjoyable experience with the game up to that point. 
and just be like, ah, well, the ending kind of dropped the ball, but like, I really enjoyed the characters. I really enjoyed my time I spent with it. And these last, like, I don't know, 20, 15 minutes, whatever, you know, don't really matter. Or not even that they don't really matter, but they don't, they don't hurt my enjoyment of the game. And then I think there are endings that maybe make the journey feel bad. Like, I think that you could definitely see a world in which maybe like a game, like the ending just completely, not only does it drop the ball, but also maybe rewrites some stuff that had happened up to that point, you know, or it has maybe made, like, I don't know, I I don't necessarily agree with the vitriol with the ending to Mass Effect, um, mostly because I didn't play all of it, so I don't know. I mostly got it, you know, secondhand, watching clips, stuff like that. I think that there is something to be said about, you know, let's say, like, the journey is all about making choices, right? Because that, I think, is something that was heavily implied with the Mass Effect games. And I obviously understand that, you know, sometimes you have to do, like, that diamond shape type of storytelling where you are presented all you are given all these choices that allow you to go wide and then the choices that you make coming back to the end end up all going under one point but if your story is all about how you know your choices matter and it and they matter to the story and then you have your ending basically go like ah but actually your choices didn't matter and no matter what you did you always ended up here i think that that can be a little rough And I think that that can 100% ruin your enjoyment of the game because I think a core part of the storytelling experience has been ruined in some way, right? Like, obviously, you still had a bunch of fun with those characters leading up to this. You still had a bunch of fun, hopefully, playing the game and all that stuff. But if one of the core aspects of the game is, hey, your choices matter, the things you do in this universe matter, and they matter to they matter on a grand scale and then to have the ending basically be like all right well there's three colors and that's it <laughs> like i can 100% see how seeing that would make you feel like well my choices didn't matter and now your suspension of disbelief is ruined because now you're thinking like well of course like they couldn't make every choice matter but why was this the, the choice that they decided for us? Like, why was this the thing that they decided, hey, this is the ending we actually want for this game or whatever, whatever. So I think that there are 100% times where an ending can just completely like recontextualize the rest of the journey to make it so that the destination sucks. And now the journey sucks because the journey led you to this awful destination and the destination has now like completely recontextualize the journey. So I don't know. That's my answer. And finally, Dent asks, when are we going to get Yu-Gi-Oh! The Trading Card Game in VR? Who knows? I honestly bet that someone is working on it in some official capacity. I think that there's no way that VR card games aren't going to be a big thing, especially because I think that you know Yu-Gi-Oh! was very popular, and I don't think that it's impossible for that popularity to come back. In, in a big way and I think that that's that's it like that's what the way it goes is I think VR would be the next big thing for not only Yu-Gi-Oh but like other trading cards in general right like I think that would be really cool imagine like 
a VR Pokemon trading card game, VR Magic the Gathering, stuff like that, I think would work really well. I think the other thing to consider too is that VR has such a low adoption rate currently. Like, I don't know. I don't know how many people have it. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I know it's not nearly as many people as like, not nearly as many people who, let's say, have PS4s or have PCs in general and stuff like that. So it would just really depend on how marketable they could make the VR, you know, does, was it Konami, I think, holds the rights for Yu-Gi-Oh! So do they decide to go with an existing VR headset? Do they decide to do something more along the lines of an augmented reality type thing so that you could sell it in a Target, you know, and get that, that shelf space? Like, where do you want, where do you want it to be? Do you have it be tied into the actual main trading card game? Or do you have it be the separate entity with its own rules and stuff like that? I think that I want a Yu trading card game in VR, but who knows when it'll actually happen. I'd like to see it happen, though. I think it would rule so much. Like, just imagining stuff like tabletop simulator which you don't even have to play it in vr you can just play it normally but thinking of something like tabletop simulator where you know having that goofy interaction with 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 those objects i think really really makes it that much more fun i think and it can kind of bridge the gap between you know playing with actual physical paper cards and and the more video gaming aspects that might be more interesting so hopefully someday I would doubt that it happens within the next two or three years, but I guess that all depends on how the VR market shapes up. All right, and that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. If you would like to send us emails, you can always do that at fanmail at implausiblyaverage.live. We'll see all those emails that come in. You can also go to bit.ly slash radio IAGP capital R, capital I-I-G-P, all one word. And there you have a form that you can fill out so you don't have to send an email if you don't want. Uh, It also has the trailer. It's also a good place to just house all of the stuff. If you want the RSS feed, you want the trailer, you want the email segment, you want or the email section where you can send in emails, you got all that stuff there. Good place to keep in mind if you want to send in an email. And with that, I will see you all next time. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'll, again, see you next time. Bye. Okay.